Hello and welcome to Stories with Legs, conversations that interest me and maybe you too. I am your host, Anne Hildebrand, and I am here with my travel update. And actually, my travel update is once again that I have not traveled, that I haven't moved. And that got me thinking that I want to kind of talk about or reflect on what it means for me to have a routine and how I kind of experience that because it's been about three years since I've had a routine, since I've been in one place for so long, since I knew what was going to happen every day of the week and that cycle happened the same every week and there's really a rhythm to it. The last time that that was was in Korea and since I left Korea I was traveling around Southeast Asia, I was walking around in the States, I was traveling around South America, I was moving down here, working at that job in Tasmania, which was great, but definitely was like, you know, a couple months and it was changing all the time and um, just kind of sporadic in its nature and then traveling up here. And so I've just been moving around and for a lot of that time, um, my home was a backpack and or a car um, or someone else's floor or I mean yeah pretty much so I guess I've just been experiencing once again kind of what it's like to have that cycle and I think a lot of hate sort of gets directed toward the idea of a routine as though a routine is a rut but I don't think that's necessarily true. A routine is just something that you do habitually. I guess I should change that because if you do something habitually, that can almost imply that you're not thinking about what you're doing because a habit often is something you do without thinking. But you could be very intentionally doing something repetitively over and over. And there's a lot that you can do when you have a routine that is, is harder when you don't. So for example, Renee and I did that meditation retreat, which was amazing, and I'm totally converted. I'm one of the believers in the fact that sitting and observing my own mind is one of the best things that I can do, but even directly coming out of that retreat, we were on a road trip, we were moving around, we were living in other people's floors or um, hostels or camping, and I didn't really meditate because... I was so engrossed in what was going on around me because I had to figure it out all the time. When you don't have a routine, you you always have to think about what am I doing because there's no given answer. There's not like, well, it's Tuesday at 10 o'clock, so this is what I do at Tuesday at 10 o'clock. It's like, what needs to be done right now? What am I doing in, you know, do I need to take steps towards something else that I'm doing? Do I have time, free time? If you have free time to do something, what, what do you need to do or want to do? Or is there some admin stuff that needs to get done for whatever? Or uh, I'm in a new place. What is there to do? How do I figure out what there is to do? Where am I sleeping tonight? Uh, what am I going to eat? Do I spend, you know, like how much money can I spend on lunch so that I can have money to spend on this other thing? Or should I get to the grocery store? What groceries can I buy that don't need to be refrigerated? Um, how can we cheaply buy enough food so that that won't go bad in the car for X amount of days? And will we be in access of another grocery store or will we want, you know, all of this kind of stuff, these logistics, you have logistics even in a routine, but 
that and these are all really petty in the grand scheme of you know suffering in the world but whatever it's my experience um that's when you don't have a routine that's what you are thinking about and that's that's what I think about and that's your sort of way of being moment to moment and there's something to be said for consciously deciding having a structure and then when you follow that structure there's a that kind of opens up sort of room on the mental you know ram uh for you to do other things or think about other things or just sort of exhale I feel like I'm seeing everything in sort of cycles and um or phases or whatever where it's, it's like it is like breathing like sometimes you're breathing in and you're having to think and do all these things and it's really that's really enjoyable you need to breathe in but then also you need to just breathe out and be able to relax and having a routine really allows you to relax and I think there's a difference between relaxing and enjoying the process of relaxing and becoming complacent or kind of just blindly falling into a rut. You can very mindfully relax and have a routine. And um, the fact that I now have a sort of set routine, going back to the meditation thing, allows me to say, hey, this is the time when I meditate. And having that structure, it makes it really easy to have the willpower to meditate all the time because I just do and I've I've intentionally set it up beforehand where this is what I do at this time so I do it as opposed to like oh well we didn't find a camping spot till like midnight last night so I don't want to wake up early tomorrow morning to meditate because I'm so exhausted I didn't plan for this to happen or you can use the excuse of like oh well we're sleeping in the car tonight and it's not comfortable for me to find a good position to sit in and so I'm not going to do it or or, oh, this wonderful couple took us in for the night, so I feel like I need to talk to them because I don't want to be like, oh, sorry, I'm going to go meditate in the room now and be antisocial, so I'm going to talk because that's my priority. And um, Having a routine allows you to make those decisions, set aside that time, and there you go. So there's a certain freedom in routine that you don't get with sort of moving around and not having a plan. And I think there's something really to be valued in that. I think there's also something to be valued in the mental space it allows you when you're not having to use a lot of your resources for figuring out just what to do all the time or how to make things work all the time. When you have sort of a system and things are working, if you set the system up right, things just work. And if you set it up mindfully, it's working great. Like, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And I'm not just doing it because, oh, well, this is what I do. I'm doing it because I was like, hey, this is the way I should spend my time. And then that's how I spend my time. And so I just kind of wanted to take a minute to recognize how great routine can be and how wonderful it really is as long as it's, you know, done. It's just like anything. Like you do it in moderation and you do it mindfully and everything has its place. And I'm loving having a routine, having my own space. I put like pictures up on my walls and, you know, I have my clothes in drawers and they all have their place and I always can do the laundry, which is amazing. Um, and on another level, just having the cycles of like, you know, so I'm, I'm a nanny, I'm working with the boys and there's a certain cycle of what they have to do during the week. And it's just nice like when you do something over and over, there's, there is a comfort in that. There's a total comfort in just 
do sitting down and doing that thing that you know. And um, I'm really enjoying it. But I mean, I'm also enjoying knowing that after this point of exhalation, I will inhale again. And I think you don't have to necessarily be moving around physically to have those sort of cycles of just routine and then, you know, um, sort of exploration or thinking or whatever. Like, you don't have to be physically moving to do that. That could also just be your sort of mental processes and whatever. Um, so, yeah, I've that's my sort of ruminations on what's going up with me recently. I'm still here in the Outback. Uh, earlier this week, there was the town's big sort of uh, festival that they have called the Kangarangadoo, which is where people get together and um, throw rocks around. Um, you'll hear Amy and I talking about that in our conversation. This conversation happened before the Kangarangadoo. So basically, out here in the Outback, there's a couple locals, not too many, and a boatload of tourists. A lot of Australians, when they get older, they retire, they get a caravan, what we would call an RV, and they trip around. And these little towns um, have these sort of events to bring people through. And this whole week, the towns along the route, each day, they had their event. And so there was a kangaranga do here, where people threw rocks, and that was a competition. And then there's yabby races, so they race these freshwater crawdads. Um, that was one uh, at the next town. And then there was races in Birdsville. I guess there's like 50 people who live in Birdsville, but then like thousands of people converge upon the town for these races that they have once a year. Um, and that was cool. So I mentioned Amy that we talked about the Kangarangadu beforehand. She's kind of new to town also, has just moved out here. Um, from Ipswich, which is outside of Brisbane, but I'm going to let her tell her story. And here's my conversation with Amy. So, hi, Amy. Hi. Can you start out by telling us where we are right now? We are in Quilpie, Queensland, Australia, the driest part of Queensland. Is it really the dry? It is, yeah. Because oh. it's not actually that dry here. No, it can get very dry, but it's because it's the channel country. The water from the north will come down, but it doesn't stay in the land like it should. It literally just disappears. I actually love it because I was going running the, like earlier today and the other day, and um, you can just kind of go in these riverbeds that are dry, yeah. and some of them are not. And yeah. the, the water is different colors depending on what the dirt is. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. And the water is hot. Yeah, I got hit by a sprinkler the other day, and the water was hot. Yeah, no, like, there's no hot water systems in Quilpie, so... They have to cool the, you have to cool the water yeah. for it to come out of yeah. the tap. Yes, you do. Which is crazy. We have two tanks, a cooling tank, just so we can have just drinking water. So do you drink the bore water, and for all the Americans listening, bore water is well water? Yeah, basically. Um, I do now. I never used to. It tastes like rotten eggs. Yeah. But it's okay now. I'm used to it. That's the sulfur in it. <laughs> That's the sulfur. Yeah. I guess I'm still, I can shower in it and brush my teeth. I'm still not ready to quite <laughs> drink it. But it's a really cool system. So it's like the artesian basin. Yep. So it's the biggest bore in Australia, basically. The artesian bore and the hottest. And a lot of people call it the dinosaur water. Have you heard that? No. So dinosaur water is because it's the deepest bore in Australia as well. And it's like, it's the oldest water. 
basically. I'm not sure in the world or anything like that, but yeah, definitely in Australia. Wow. And it's like, yeah, because it's this huge, it's like the desert on top, but it's sitting on top of this like huge yeah. basin of water. <laughs> basically, yeah. That you can bore into and then it just like squirts out with all this pressure. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I guess in some places too, like the pressure, they've been able to like get energy off of the pressure coming out. Um, I think so. Yeah. I think in long range up north but yeah. I don't know about here. So what brings you to Quilpie? Um, nursing job. So I'm a nurse, enrolled nurse and the job offer came on the internet and I thought no let's go rural because I came from the city. So um, yeah basically been out here for a few months now. I absolutely love it doing my nursing job and my partner Chris works for a contractor so it works out really well. But were you looking in this area because you knew that he also could get work here? Was it? Yeah, I was a yeah. little bit sneaky around that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I definitely tried Quilpie first, but yeah, just very lucky. So what inspires a sort of city person to come out to this? Well, I guess we can give a little more of uh, an idea of where we are. Like, how long would you say it would take to drive to the nearest city? The nearest city? For me, it would have to be it have to be Brisbane. That's like a ten hour drive. Yeah. So. So what inspired <laughs> you from? Because you're you're from right near Brisbane. Yeah, right near, right near Brisbane. Like mm -hmm. we, I grew up on a property with horses and cattle, so it's not a big change for me. But I'm so used to driving to the city on the weekend or going to the beach all the time because I'm only an hour away from the beach from my home. So I don't know, big difference like. I'm used to it now, but I absolutely love, I love the culture out here, like, everyone's so friendly, if you haven't noticed, like, everyone, like, everyone says hi or waves at you when you walk down the street, so, yeah. Do you find, like, are there any other cultural things that you notice, like, different, good or bad, either way? It's a very small town, like, you can't say anything, or everybody will just, like, hear about it, so, very gossipy town, but, I don't know, like, everyone's just involved in the community big community events and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's like 500 people. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, like, you know all of them when you do nursing because they all turn up in the hospital every now and then, so. Right, and you and you get to know all of, like, their life in that way. And so yeah. you think that almost people get feel more connected to you when they see you walking yeah. down the street. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, that's that nurse that's just started. And it's like, I don't even know who you are. I've never seen you before. But, yeah, everyone knows who I am already, so... That's cool. Yeah. And um, do you have any idea, like, do you want to kind of make the outback your home or is this some sort of just kind of... Mm, at the moment, I do. So, I mean, being that kind of, like, big city person into nightlife and stuff, you don't miss any of that being here? Not really. I mean, like, today's technology, don't miss anyone, really. Like, you can call right. anyone all the time or Skype or whatever. Are yeah. there any sort of comforts of big cities that you miss or anything? Because I'm, like, really young, I miss going out. Like, especially the other night when I finished at 11, I would generally go home, have a shower, and go out to clubs and all that and socialise. It's, like, all dead. Nothing's open in cool feet. Like, you go home and go to bed. So yeah. I think that's what I do miss. And the beach. Like, I really miss, I miss the beach a lot. But I'm happy here. Like, it's not a big miss, really. Like, it's not, I don't... Not getting depressed over it or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I have to wait till summer comes so I can swim in the big lake that's out here. Right. Yeah. What about horses? Are you kind of itching to get on a horse? Yeah. What's your deal with that? Yeah, definitely. 
miss the horses heaps, but there's, a, there's plenty out here, they said, and if I want to ride any horses, I can just jump on any, so. So kind of what's your background with horses? Uh, I used to show horses uh, like dressage, yeah, a lot of dressage. We call it hacking as well, so a lot of show that. hacking, like, it's sort of, it's um, like dressage, but not as uh, fancy, so... Yeah, and I used to do a lot of cattle work, so round cattle up and cutting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And we, I guess you could get into that out here if you wanted to. Yeah, there's, a, there's only cutting and polo cross, which I know nothing about. So. Polo cross, yeah, that's gnarly. Can you, you want to detail like what that is? <laughs> it's basically, this is how I have it in my head. I've concepted that it's um, riding horses on a soccer field with a big stick and a net and a ball and you chase it. So that's all I've got in my head. I it's love like lacrosse on a horse. Pretty right? much, yeah. I'd love to give a go. So as far as nursing, like what, in your time being a nurse, what's your like crazy stories or something you've learned? Out here, oh, there's, well, there was a big car accident. So I learned a lot there. Like we don't usually get big car accidents come straight in. So, well, yeah. Why'd you choose nursing? Um, I have no idea. I was at uni doing English literature at the time, so I have no idea why I chose nursing. Um, I wasn't doing so well with English literature. I was passing, but I wasn't enjoying it. Um, mum's a nurse. She's pretty high up. She's an anaesthetic nurse. And she said to me, she's, why don't you try nursing? So gave it a go, did a few semesters and I actually enjoyed it. So I just kept following on with it. So. Is there any possibility that you'll just be like, okay, that was enough, and then go and do something else? I probably will. <laughs> probably will do that. If I don't know. If you were to do that, what would it be? At the moment, I'm leaning towards, like, earth moving. Really? I don't know why. I think because it's outside. I love working outside. So um, being inside eight hours a day is pretty much enough for me to be like, no, I need to go outside, go for a walk. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea why, but... Yeah. I agree, though. Man, being inside all the time, especially... Well, as a nurse, you're not sitting, so at least mm. there's that. Yeah. Because um, just sitting down all day is pretty pretty evil. <laughs> I, would, I don't think I could sit down all day in front of a computer, but some people do. Good on them. That's for them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're lucky that they do. I know. they get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. And they love it. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so, like, let's see, you grew up outside of Brisbane. Like, what was that like growing up on a farm out there? Um, farming was, it was hard work, but it was, like, you learned a lot. We went through flooding and droughts. So, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm used to the drought, but... Were you, were you doing some of the farming? Yeah. I was, um, basically, it was me, my brother, and my dad basically running the farm. So we just take turns in everything. So we used to make hay. Um, pretty sure they call hay making out, is it meadows? Oh, I wouldn't know. I have no idea. I did learn this the other day. But um, yeah, hay making, we used to do that. So I used to rake the hay on the tractor. I used to help round the cattle up. Um, used to, you know, drench the cattle, brand them, all that sort of, you know, basic stuff. And um, paperwork, I always had to help with the paperwork because dad's dyslexic. Okay. So teaching him how to read when I was teaching myself how to read as well, it was really, it was actually really good because 
I learned like a lot of things and I love teaching now obviously but um, yeah a lot of paperwork I used to have to do for him so big difference out here like all I do is nursing because I used to nurse and do the farm work at the same time so Whoa. yeah. So a lot of people that I've talked to were like oh you're living in the middle of nowhere so there's nothing to do but mm. I've told them that that's not true actually there's a lot of stuff to do. How would you respond to that if someone's like, oh, you're living in the middle of nowhere, like, what do you do all the time? Um, we usually joke about it because there's only, like, a pub, so we just go to the pub all the time. People are usually like, so you just all alcoholics? I'm like, pretty much, because it's hot, you got to keep hydrated. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, like, there's a, there is a lot of stuff to do out here. Like, you can climb Mount, Mount Baldy or Baldy Top. Um, just a, it's a small mountain that you can see basically everything because it's flat. Like <laughs> yeah. you can see a hundred k's out, um, and you got the lake. But I mean, it's full of caravanners, like tourists. So I don't know. Really, there's fishing. Well, that's it, one thing I find really interesting is that as much as there's all these small towns, they're massive tourist towns because mm. there's this whole culture in Australia. I mean, we have it a little bit too of like. Um, yeah, people renting, what do we, RVs, we call them RVs, yep. um, and kind of going around the country in an RV, but here it's even more extreme, I think, because the towns are tiny and there's, like, nothing in between them. Yeah, so this is what we survive on, apparently, we survive on tourists coming out to Queensland rural towns. Um, basically, the, the moral of the story in Australia is you retire, you sell your house, and you buy a caravan or an RV, and you just travel around Australia. And, like, that's the normal behaviour, apparently. So... I think it's really cool. But it's just so funny, because I guess in the States, if you came to a town like this, it, you'd think, you know, there's nothing here. But then there's a bunch of tourists. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll be at the park with the kids, and there's showers at the park for the tourists to use. Yeah. And there's always some tourists there to talk to. Like Yeah, like, they say the town population is 500, but it's, like, easy 1,000, especially when there's something coming up. Like, there's the horse races at Birdsville. Apparently, everyone will flock to this town the week before because there's a kangaroo race. Is that what the kangaranga do? That's, yeah. Wait, okay, yeah. Can you please, I don't know what this is. Oh, I don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> In, like, I am imagining they just catch random kangaroos and race them down the main street. That's what I'm thinking, but, yeah, I'll have to wait and see. Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, the other day there was a kangaroo that was chasing one of the dogs and got caught in the fence. <laughs> <laughs> and like it was struggling and its legs were tied up so like I went over there and like poked its feet out I couldn't just leave it there no. you know yep. but then my fingers smelled so bad <laughs> yeah they're really they stink like it's just the, the scent that they have it's horrible aren't we also like not that far from the the city that's farthest from the ocean mm. in Australia we're a hundred I think it's 140 k's from Iriminga, which is the last town in, I think, in Australia to, like, the longest to the coast or something like that. Yeah, they have their own T-shirt for it, so it's pretty, sure they do. It's pretty um, massive out there. That's yeah. another one of the touristy things, the stubby coolers. Can, ah. you, can you translate what that is? So basically a beer can has to be wrapped around this sort of foam half lever sort of cooler, as you should say, and people out here just go nuts you gotta collect them i've got so many from like all the pubs we went to like you get drunk and be like 
let's pay $10 to get a stubby cooler just so we can say that we've been there. Like, right. Oh my goodness. It's, yeah. it's kind of collecting, yeah, I guess like we're collecting shot glass or collecting pins or something. Basically like that. the exact same, but it's stubby coolers. So, and yeah, stubby is the, the like glass of beer. Um, yeah, so yeah, your stubby is your bottle. Oh, bottle, okay. Yeah. So. I'm getting that mixed up. Do you have any plans on buying caravan when the time comes? Caravan. Absolutely not. No? Like I put up enough with Chris when he goes truck driving, so it, well, like we get along. But I can't. I can't. Like I couldn't think of anything worse. Like I gotta go. I'll. I'll go backpacking. I'll see Australia when I'm young. I think. I really just yeah. And what are you most excited about right now? Um. What am I? Oh, I have no idea. Probably just being out here because I'm just so fresh to moving out here with Chris. Like, we're still really happy that we finally made it out here. Um, yeah. And, like, I can't wait to just basically, like, everyone else is just looking forward to the rodeo. Like, we all get a day off and, yeah. And I think my brothers are coming up to visit, so that'd be great. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm That's okay. Now I'm excited for the rodeo yeah. too. <laughs> no worries. My memory connection from my conversation with Amy has to do with the way that people greet each other when they're on the street. Like she said that here in Quilpie it's a small town so everyone says hello and that you don't really get that in the city. And it makes me think about my experience in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, this one experience in particular, because it's normally true that in big cities you know you don't hi, say hi and wave to people on the street and in fact in Western Europe where I'd been traveling at the time you don't, I mean, especially like in Italy, as a female, if you make eye contact with someone, not only do you avert your eyes immediately, but you don't say hi. That's just an invitation for, you know, creepers. Um, plenty of other, there's creepers everywhere, but I'm sorry, Italy, you got a lot of them. Um, so anyway, that is usually the case. But I had this one moment when I was in Rotterdam, and so I'm walking down the street, and there was this guy on a bicycle going slowly the other direction and you know we're walking and as I'm walking we end up making eye contact and I look away and I keep walking as you do normally without even thinking about it right you just kind of look away keep walking go about your business but I noticed that this guy is still looking at me and so having the sort of attitude I did at the time I was like okay well I'm going to look back and show you that I know that you're staring at me okay so I look at him he's still looking I look away again kind of like I see you looking at me attitude and he's still looking at me, even though I've looked away. And then I'm like, you know, fine. So I'm going to have this kind of pissing contest with you, right? So I look over at him. Like, I'm just staring at him. Like, you're going to stare at me? Fine. I'm going to stare at you, which is ridiculous. But so I did that. And I'm staring. And we're holding eye contact and just, you know, deadpan looking at each other. And I'm here thinking, like, you're being so rude. You know, you're staring at me. I can't even believe it. And he's over there, like, turns out thinking you're being so rude, I can't believe you looked at me and you didn't even like say hello or smile because there in the Netherlands, in my experience, my Dutch friends say that Dutch people aren't friendly, but I've found that people there, when you make eye contact with them, you can smile or nod or even say hello. And that is actually what you do. And so here, this total 
you know, my idea of the situation, I was like, oh, he's being he's so creepy or whatever, when really, like, he was probably friendly and was just shocked at me being so unfriendly. And that's an example of a big city where you would smile and wave. And actually, when I was in France, I met a Dutch girl who said that she had the problem where when she got there, she would, you know, see people on the street and she'd smile and wave and say hello. And she said, oh, I learned that here you don't do that, you know, because that's just kind of inviting um, some unwanted attention sometimes. So it's just kind of interesting the different ways people are. And uh, yeah, here in Quilpy, people say, you know, they say hello, smile. And whenever you're driving on the street, you pass another car, you put your hand up or a finger. If you're feeling lazy, just put your finger up from the steering wheel. And I would love to hear your memory connections or thoughts or whatever. Please send me a message or an email if you've thought about whether people say smile and say hello. Would you like people to do that more? Could you ever live in a remote area? What would you miss about the city? What's up with your life? I don't care. Anything. I want to talk to you guys because you're my friends and let's keep Skyping and talking. And I want to say thank you for listening to me because here I am just kind of blabbering on about whatever. And thanks for being here with me. And I want to interact with you about that. And also thanks to Josh Reinhardt for uploading. Without you, this wouldn't happen. And uh, thanks to Kevin McLeod for this wonderful music. So I will talk to you guys next time. And I hope to talk to you before then, because I like to hear back from people, not just talk out into the abyss. So, love you. Bye. usually like so you just all alcoholics I'm like pretty much because it's hot you gotta keep hydrated